Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Volume. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. The line right now is at San Francisco minus 1.5, but you can bet all sorts of things on the game, even the coin toss, although big shock, it's going to be 50-50 odds there. My brothers and I always place a bunch of bets on the Super Bowl every year. I'm not actually sure what I'm going to do yet, but I'm excited. It should be a great game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets, only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code HOOPS. Again, that's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend. We just got a quick show for you today. We're going to hit Suns Magic as the Orlando Magic had a defensive masterclass in the fourth quarter, just completely strangling the Suns as they came back to win by double digits. I thought that was super revealing about both teams. So we're going to talk 
about that game for a little while. And then as we usually do on Mondays, we're going to do an edition of our power rankings. My power rankings two weeks ago, those 10 teams combined to lose 25 games over the last two weeks. So it's kind of going to be like a weirdly negative version of the power rankings because basically aside from the Clippers, there were really ugly moments for every team in that list. So we're going to update our power rankings and then we'll get out of here for the day. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. It would mean a lot to me. If you guys would take a second to scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget about our podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts at Hoops Tonight. Uh, it's also super helpful for us if you leave a rating and a review there. That's something I found out the other day. So those of you guys who use the podcast feed, I'd really appreciate it if you take a second to give it a rating as well as leave a review. Then don't forget about my Twitter feed at underscore or Jason LT. That's where I do the film threads in the morning as well as show announcements. And then last but not least, keep dropping mailbag questions in the YouTube comments so we can keep hitting them throughout the week. All right, let's talk some basketball. So as I said, a complete and total defensive masterclass from the Orlando Magic. And I just to give you guys, to set the stage here a little bit, the Magic forced the Suns into seven turnovers just in the fourth quarter. From the 10-minute mark, of the fourth quarter to about the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter, they allowed just two points to a team led by Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant, right? Uh, If you watch it on tape, there were a couple of decent looks in there, but man, they could barely even break free for a half-decent look at the basket over that stretch. It was an amazing stretch of defensive basketball from the Orlando Magic in every phase of the game. In ball pressure situations, just getting up into the ball handlers as they're trying to bring the ball up the floor, when they're blitzing in ball screens, off-ball denial played a huge role in this game, which forced them into a bunch of turnovers. It, you know, And it's funny because Orlando brings very... Like they bring wave after wave of physicality in like every phase of the game, right? You've got these point of attack guys that can be up in your business, guys like Jalen Suggs, right? Guys like Markel Fultz, guys like Anthony Black had an amazing stretch defensively in that fourth quarter. Then their ball handlers bring a certain level of that sort of kind of physicality, right? Like it's Paolo Moncaro playing with a ton of physicality. He was scoring in the post in the fourth quarter, made a kick out on a double team to Franz Wagner for three. Franz in pick and roll brings a certain physical imposition to it, right? And then even their big guys, like Mo Wagner dominated the fourth quarter of this game by killing Drew Eubanks in an individual matchup just by rolling hard to the rim and scoring through contact and crashing the offensive glass, Yeah, length on the perimeter with guys like Jonathan Isaac. It's just wave after wave that they bring at you in terms of their physicality. And to Jamal Mosley's credit, like it's part of the culture of this team. It was kind of fun watching this game this morning because obviously, you know, I'm watching on, uh, um, I'm watching with the volume on, and you know, typically I'm listening to one of the uh, the uh, you know the commentator crews for one of those league pass uh, for league pass, right? But in this particular game, what was dominating the audio kind of portion of the tape was the Magic bench, as they would force a turnover or play great individual defense and force a tough shot. It almost sounded like a college game with the way that you'd see the entire bench and coaching staff like freaking out on the bench after every time they make a play, getting excited, everyone's on their feet. You can tell this team wants to be great at defense. It is part of their culture. It is everything about uh, their basketball identity. And the two guys that I wanted to like shine a particular light on in this video were Anthony Black and Jonathan Isaac. I thought they kind of like like sprung the run, so to speak, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Anthony Black was on Bradley Beal. At this phase in the middle of the fourth, Devin Booker was actually on the bench. 
And Jonathan Isaac was on Kevin Durant. Now, I want to talk about the com- the, the combination of ball pressure and off-ball denial and how that can cause issues, right? So when you apply ball pressure, one of the most frequent things that you can do to a ball handler is cause them to speed up. It's actually very rare to find ball handlers that are good at handling ball pressure by slowing down and using it to their advantage, right? Like, uh, that's one of the reasons why not having a point guard on this particular team, you know, I, I think it's been overplayed a little bit from the standpoint of like offensive initiation is offensive initiation. But if there is one way or one form of the game where missing a point guard has hurt this team, it's ball pressure. And I think you particularly see that at the end of games when teams really pick up their defensive pressure. Like guys like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, if it were up to them, they'd rather get to their spots first. They would rather start where the pick and roll starts. They'd rather start where the ISO starts or starts start where the post-up starts, right? But like when, when part of the game is like actually getting the ball up the floor and getting into one of those spots, they can struggle a little bit there. And you've seen that in the turnovers throughout the season, which like literally has been a massive problem for the Suns all season long. But one of the things that the Magic do really well is we see so many teams in the NBA load up, right? And when you load up, it makes easy passes. I mean, they're they're difficult in the sense that you have to get them over the top of the defense and across the court, but they leave openings on the weak side, right? And so what will end up happening is you'll see a guy dribble in the basketball and there'll be a guy guarding him and they'll be digging down into driving lanes and kind of packing the paint, right? And then the swing passes tend to be open. And, you know, what those defenses are trying to do is try to get you to basically settle for jump shots, right? Like they're looking to get you to pass the ball around the perimeter because no one wants to drive into that thicket of defenders and take tough jump shots, right? One of the things the Magic will do is they'll get up in you with ball pressure and then they'll deny off the ball. And so what ends up happening there is there actually are some driving lanes, but when you have strong individual defenders, guys like Anthony Black, guys like Jonathan Isaac, guys like Jalen Suggs, right? Like when you have those guys out there, the dude on the ball isn't just slashing around them and getting wide open layups, right? And so what ends up happening is when the on-ball defender does a good job of basically forcing the on-ball offensive player to either rush or to pick up his dribble or to get into a tough spot, then he starts looking for kickouts, right? But where are the kickouts? The ball is getting denied. And so that's what ended up leading Phoenix into so many of these turnovers. You would see you know, Devin Booker or Bradley Beal dribble into a tough spot, pick up their dribble, end up in trouble. And there's Jonathan Isaac just with the long arm of the law, so to speak, denying Kevin Durant that post entry or high post entry, and they can't get that 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 pass in there. And so now they're throwing the ball all over the court, turning it over. And like just just the singular, you know, kind of force on defense of Anthony Black and Jonathan Isaac in that mid-fourth quarter stretch, just making Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant make a lot of mistakes went a long way to turning this game around. Because the thing with Orlando is they're not a very good offensive team, right? In fact, they're a bad offensive team. Just to give you guys some stats, they they scored 94.6 points per 100 half-court possessions. That ranks 26th in the NBA, according to Cleaning the Glass. They are the third worst pick-and-roll attack in the NBA, including passes. They are the 10th worst ISO attack in the NBA, including passes. They are the third worst post-up attack in the NBA, including passes. They're not good in transition. Like, that... A lot of it is just, it's a young basketball team with young shot creators learning how to be more efficient in the NBA. I'm not concerned about Paolo and Franz in the long run and their ability to become much more efficient shot creators, but they're young. They're learning on the fly, right? And so their their biggest advantage right now is they're huge, they're athletic, 
and they're young and they play hard. And so they find ways to get into basketball games on the strength of their defense. And that's what they did. Like they they found a way to disrupt Phoenix's offense more than Phoenix could disrupt their offense, and that flipped the dynamic of the game. Again, they forced Phoenix into more turnovers in that fourth quarter than they had made field goals. It's seven turnovers and just five made field goals, and it's because their defense is flat-out oppressive. Fifth in defensive rating, seventh in defensive rebounding percentage, sixth in half-court defense, according to Cleaning the Glass, fifth in transition defensive points added per 100 possessions. That's kind of a catch-all transition stat on Cleaning the Glass. They are the second best team in the league at forcing turnovers, sticking to that idea that I talk about, about in, uh, ball pressure, aggressive blitzing, uh, denying off the ball, just making it extremely difficult, rushing teams into making mistakes, right? They are the eighth best team in the league at limiting opponent three-point makes. They are 14th in protecting the paint, but a big, of that, a big part of that is when you're ball pressuring and you're denying, if someone does break through, there are layups to be had. Also, the center position's been a little inconsistent for them all year, in large part because of injuries, right? So, again, credit to Jamal Mosley. He's got these dudes locked in on that end of the floor. Credit to all the individual players for being uh, um, uh, for taking that on as a basketball character. Again, I, I will say watching them this year has been fun because of the just the energy and the verve that they bring to trying to win games in a way like again. There's an offensive limitation there that is that is roster based. That's not going to change. You can't. They're not going to just suddenly become a great offense this season. They need to slowly reach that point through player development, right? But like they can still win NBA games on their strengths, and they are so locked in and so disciplined, and their and their 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 habits are great. Their communication is great. All the details are there, and it's allowing them to be a respectable NBA team. Um, in spite of their offensive limitations. They've beaten a lot of good teams this year. They have 13 wins against teams that are 500 or better. That's the ninth most in the NBA. And then on the Phoenix front, so there are three major issues that come off the screen for me most of the times that I watch the Suns this season, but especially in that game last night. One, their stars struggling to handle ball pressure. They've had uh, 43 turnovers in the last two games, including the Pacers game. They're actually the fifth worst team in the league at taking care of the basketball. I talked about this earlier, but again, like, you know, Phoenix, I don't think that their lack of a point guard, so to speak, affects their ability to score. Because when they do get into the half court setting and they do get one of their stars to their spot, whether it's Devin Booker getting ready to run a ball screen or a kind of face up ISO at 18 feet, or it's Kevin Durant doing the same thing, or it's Bradley Beal. You know, uh, uh, getting his like kind of downhill isos that he goes to, where he's hitting a bunch of in and out dribbles, right? Like, regardless of where those spots are, when they get there, they're efficient. You you don't have to look far to to see the points per possession data and see that those guys can get quality shots when they get to those spots. But teams, what we've seen consistently throughout the year is aggressive defense towards those guys. That's the the book is out. Like that's what the scouting report says. The scouting report says ball pressure the hell out of Phoenix. Just ball pressure them. And over the course of the game, you'll kind of wear them down physically. And, and like one of the things that I've talked about is like I talk a lot about the value of strength in basketball. And, you know, we look at it with rebounding and we look at it with like defense and holding your position and stuff. But strength is a big thing on the offensive end of the floor, too. You want to know why Nikola Jokic like always seems to kind of like thrive in those rock fight environments? He's so damn big and strong that you can't really deny him the basketball. Like Joel Embiid's the only guy I've really ever seen do it. 
He's just so big and strong. He's going to be able to physically hold somebody off long enough to create a passing angle, right? Like in general, like we used to do this drill when I was uh, when I was in college, my last year in college. We called it the tight space passing drill, and it was like basically from the lane line to the corner, uh, uh, kind of like up to where like the block was, and then back to the sideline, like a square, just kind of there in the short corner. And you'd, we'd put uh, three defensive players or three offensive players in there and two defensive players. And basically, we would just apply great ball pressure on the ball with one guy. And then that other guy's kind of splitting the difference, but it's in such a small space that it's tough. And so it really comes down to fighting for position. Like the on ball guy has a dude swiping at him and, and, and getting physical and, and, and being really aggressive. And so he has to be strong with the basketball to like create space for him to see the floor. And then one of those other two guys has to fight for position to create a passing angle for that second for that uh, the guy with the ball to actually make that pass. And we did it all the time because it was one of the drills that my coach, a uh, 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 shout out coach Jeff Rudder at Arizona Christian University, he uh, kind of implemented that as a way to learn how to better take care of the basketball. Because one of the things that I consistently talk about is. When you run into really good teams, they tend to be big and strong and athletic, right? And teams that are big and strong and athletic tend to be really good on defense. And really good, big, strong, athletic defensive teams tend to be very physically aggressive. And they tend to try to, to get up into the basketball and get up into passing lanes. No different than the Orlando Magic like we were talking about earlier, right? And so, you know, one of the things is like these are a lot of guys that are kind of used to operating from their spots. And these are a lot of guys that aren't particularly strong for their position. And so when teams bring really physical ball pressure, really physical ball denial, they can struggle to create openings. And you saw that. I, I think that's been a, I think that's one of the most clear uh, weaknesses in this team that the league knows about and that the league is going into these games looking to exploit. Like, Finesse is cool and all, like, and it's a huge part of player development. And God knows that I, I, I teach that to the kids as well when I'm coaching my high school team, right? But like, it's all it, it all it all can go south when somebody punish, uh, pu- punches you in the mouth, right? When somebody brings real physicality to the situation, finesse can't be your only move. You've got to be able to do both, right? Um, and then again, like even extending onto the defensive end of the floor, when you when you've got big, strong guys like a Nikola Jokic or Franz Wagner and Paolo Boncaro, Mo Wagner bring in just this like real kind of like downhill verve to the situation. It's that strength that allows you to hold up. In those situations. And so, like, Phoenix is going to eventually run into a team in the playoffs that is big, strong, and can bring that certain, like, physical imposition to the game. It's going to happen. They're going to have to find a way to handle it. Now, there are some solutions, right? Like, one of the things you can do to combat ball pressure is, like, don't have the guy bring it up against the best defensive player, right? Like, like find Paolo's man or Franz's man and have them bring the ball up the floor, right? Like have Eric Gordon or, 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 uh, um, uh, Grayson Allen bring the ball up the floor so that you're not going against Anthony black so that you're not going against Jonathan Isaac. Those are things that you can do. Right. But the reality is, is they just have to be better. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal have to get better at handling those aggressive coverages, handling that ball pressure, handling that ball denial, because to put it simply, that's going to be what teams do in the postseason. If they get into a first-round series with a team, the other team is going to sit down and they're going to start talking about their advantages, and one of the first things they're going to look at is like, we got to get up into these guys 94 feet and, and just try to wear them down at the point of attack and try to force them into their worst tendencies. Uh, number two, the second biggest thing that stood off uh, stood out for me on the screen. Drew Eubanks 
probably can't play for you in a playoff series. Now, to be clear, uh, Yusuf Nurkic was out in this particular game, but Drew Eubanks has been kind of their backup center a lot of this se- uh, a lot uh, for a lot this season. They've gone with a bunch of other guys as well. Um, but he got his lunch, le- uh, his lunch eaten by Mo Wagner last night. Uh, was really struggling with him on hard rolls to the basket. Was getting beat on on baseline crashes on the offensive glass. There was one where uh, it was like a middle fourth quarter where Drew kind of like saw Mo Wagner coming from that uh, left side corner, turned and like went to box him out, and Mo just like literally just ran him over. But like. It- Drew just turns and starts complaining to the refs, but like one of the things there is like fighting for your position actually goes a long way there. Like if you don't really fight for your position there and Mo comes in, the ref's not going to want to reward you for not holding your ground, right? Unless you flop extravagantly, right? In which case you might get a call depending on what kind of ref you're dealing with, right? But like he like he wouldn't just if you actually like sit there and fight and hold your ground, if Mo pushes through you then, you probably get an over the back call, but he just got manhandled by Mo all over the floor. You know, and again, like this is going to be an issue with them over the course of this playoff run as well, is what do you do about the center position? Like Yusuf Nurkic is going to hold up really well in certain matchups, but then there are going to be other matchups where it puts them in a predicament where they get attacked a lot in pick and roll, right? We've seen that throughout this season. So that center position is going to be something to keep an eye on. And it may come down to them having to do a lot more of the KD at the five than maybe they wanted to when it comes time for the postseason. And then number three, the defensive commitment has to be part of their identity. It can't just be a fad that they do for a week or two. It's got to be something that they stick to long-term. They had this seven-game winning streak. They defended. The defense has completely fallen apart since. Like, they were really sloppy against Orlando. They were bad in transition defense, not getting matched up. They were bad in their pick-and-roll coverages. Drew Eubanks was, like, atrocious in pick-and-roll. Their on-ball guys were bad in pick-and-roll. They were hugged up on shooters off the ball. Like, Bradley Beal at one point was just watching them score in pick-and-roll while he's standing guarding Anthony Black in the corner, who's a 30% uh, I think a 33% corner three-point shooter, so like their off-ball stuff isn't good. They're getting beat on back cuts. They're getting beat on offensive rebound crashes. You know, like and especially in a game like that last night, defense could be what helps you regain control because Orlando's offense isn't good. One of the ways that Phoenix could have fought through that mess was really lock in on defense force Orlando into their worst tendencies and look for transition opportunities and try to kind of beat Orlando to uh, uh, two spots before they can really load up on their stars, right? But like that just wasn't the thing. It was like as the offense was falling apart against Orlando, their defense was also falling apart. And that's how, I mean, that's how you end up with the 21 to two run as the game kind of flips on them like that. The bottom line is the Suns are top heavy. They have three awesome players. Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. And they have two solid role player guards, Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen, right? And then they have some flawed role players like Josh Okoji and Yusuf Nurkic who are really good at some things and really bad at others, right? And then it's like a big drop-off. Like the rest of the roster are mostly guys that would not even be in rotations for really good playoff teams around the league. And specifically... None of their top five guys on that roster, saying Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, none of those top five guys other than KD can really inflict their physicality on the game, right? So what does that mean? They can't afford to not be sharp on the details, right? Like they're going to lose a lot of battles just because of their personnel. 
especially defensively, especially on the glass, right? Like that, the, some of that stuff is just kind of baked into the roster. So what you can't afford to do is also give up the plays that are that that, that come from mistakes, right? This is, this team does not have the margin for error to not be disciplined, to not be sharp, to not have good habits, and it's not something that they can do for two weeks and be fine. They need months. They need months of these habits built up to go into the playoffs and be ready to get uh, to be ready to compete physically at that point, right? Like. One of the things we talked about with Denver last year after the postseason and where I had to admit I was wrong is like they were a mediocre defense through most of the season, but they were huge. There was a physical imposition on the game that they were able to bring, and then they had good athlete defenders and KCP and Aaron Gordon that could take primary point of attack assignments, and so they actually became a good defense when they got into that postseason environment. Phoenix does not have that luxury. They have to be incredibly sharp. Every single guy on the roster, including their skill guys, has to be locked in on those details. And it's just something to keep an eye on over the course of the rest of the season. They will hemorrhage points in many phases of the game because of their physical limitations. They can't also be lazy. That, can't, that cannot be uh, a characteristic of this team. Have you guys ever had a bad ticket buying experience? Maybe you go to check out and it ends up being way more expensive than it was when you clicked on it. Or maybe you go to your seat and it ends up being not what you expected when you bought it to begin with. Or maybe it's just an overly convoluted and complicated process. Well, this is where I want to talk to you guys about GameTime, the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. They have all-in pricing, so you know exactly what your total is going to be up front, and you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Also, you get to see the view from your seat in the app, so you know exactly what you're getting for your money. And it's a super easy process. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And this is the coolest part. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And as great as it is watching these games on TV, especially with the NBA heating up here on the home stretch, go out and see a game. Go to see one in person. The NBA is in a really great place right now with talent. You got to get into the arena to really get the full experience. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All right, moving on to our power rankings. So, as I said, we had uh, uh, 25 losses out of our top 10 teams from two weeks ago. Specifically, our top eight teams lost 18 games. So, this is going to be a weirdly negative power rankings in the sense that, like, I'm going to kind of complain about all the teams to some extent just because I thought, uh, like, a lot of their downsides were on display this year. It's just going to be kind of the theme, except for the Clippers. The Clippers went 5 and 0 since our last ranking. So, they're going to be fine. We had two teams drop out the Pelicans, they've gone 2 and 4 since our last rankings, and basically lost to every good team they played over that uh, span, and their defense has fallen apart. Then the Miami Heat, they've lost six games in a row. They've been the worst offense in the league over that span in the 29th-ranked defense. So the bottom's fallen out for Miami. They're off the rankings for now as well. So without any further ado, number 10, the Indiana Pacers. Pascal Siakam is already helping the Pacers hold up better in the physicality areas of the game. He's averaging eight rebounds per game. Before the trade, the Pacers were the fourth worst rebounding team in the league. In the six games since, the Pacers have been the eighth best rebounding team in the league. So from fourth worst to eighth best just since the Pascal Siakam trade. It just goes to show you how much having a real high-quality NBA forward as that low man in the four spot can help reinforce a team that was really struggling in the physicality areas of the game. They've never been much of an offensive rebounding team, but they've been the fourth-best offensive rebounding team since the trade. So they've brought a new element to their offensive attack through attacking the offensive glass. They actually beat Phoenix the other night, just relentlessly attacking the offensive glass. They've now won three games in a row, all without Tyrese Halliburton. Pascal Siakam, in the six-game span, is averaging 21 points, eight rebounds, and six assists on 59% from the field, 39% from three, too. He's given them legit shot creation. So far in six games for the Pacers, Siakam's ran 60 pick-and-rolls, isos, and post-ups, including passes, leading to 80 points. 80. 
1.33 points per possession. I talked about this before the trade, but uh, uh, Pascal was having one of his best shot creation seasons of his career in Toronto before coming over, especially out of the post. And so he's come over and brought that extra element immediately. One other guy I wanted to shout out was Andrew Nemhard. He's kind of stepped into that primary shot creator role from the perimeter or from the guard position, I should say, since Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. Here's the thing, like, like Andrew Nemhard's good. I, I broke down a game last year, if you guys remember, against the Warriors, where he like, I want to say he ran something like 30 pick and rolls in a game that led to like 50 points. Like he just utterly picked apart the Golden State Warriors in a game. Like he can, he can play. And, and it's just a team that's loaded up with guards. And so he's been squeezed from time to time. But like, I've seen a lot of talk about like whether or not Tyrese Halliburton is as valuable as people think because the Pacers have looked good without him for, uh, from time to time. And it's like, how about we just credit the fact that they're really deep at guard? And so when they suffer an injury at guard, they have another really good guard waiting to step into that slot. And also, like they're seven and six without Tyrese Halliburton this year. It's not like they're killing people. Also, Pascal Siakam is awesome and has gone a long way towards helping them on that front as they've gone 3-0 in their last three games. Number nine, the Philadelphia 76ers. I was really high on the Sixers after their six-game winning streak. They beat Sacramento, they beat Houston, they beat Denver in that impressive game where Joel Embiid kind of shut down the, uh, the Nuggets offense down the stretch, and they beat Orlando. But then they went into Indiana and laid an egg, and then they late scratched everyone against Denver. And look, I understand that Embiid's, uh, Embiid fans kind of feel like there's a narrative here and that the narrative isn't necessarily fair. But, like, guys, Embiid's not doing himself any favors on this front. Like, last year, Joel Embiid played in 13 straight games before sitting out in Denver and then immediately played in the next five games. So he played in 18 out of 19 games, and the one he sat out was the game in Denver. This year, he plays in six straight games. Go, including hunting points in a 70-point night against the San Antonio Spurs and then goes, oh, well, I'm resting my knee. I'm going to sit out against Denver. Like, he told Jokic he'd see him there. He said so in his post-game presser after they won in Philly. He wasn't on the injury report before the game. Shams Rosharani reported 15 minutes before the game he was not on the injury report. The Sixers on social media were advertising the matchup as Jokic versus Embiid, and then he sat out. They're almost certainly going to get fined for it. And again, like when when you're talking about the narrative, if you're going to gun for 70 points against the Spurs and then sit out against Denver saying we want to make sure his knee is ready for the playoffs, you're going to get the side eye from a lot of people. You just are. It's completely fair criticism. And also, I mean, this team kind of needed a signature win. They're 29 and 15, but they played a comically easy schedule. Just 10 of those 29 wins were against teams that are 500 or better. As of right now, they've played the third easiest schedule in the league uh, per opponent win percentage. Those 10 wins against 500 or better teams ranks 16th in the NBA. They are also just 1-4 on the road against teams in my contender list with their one win being against the young and tiny Oklahoma City Thunder. So like, they needed this kind of like big road win to kind of just almost as like a test. Like it would have been a great test for them and they punted it and it just left a bad taste in my mouth. So I have the Sixers down at number nine right now. Number eight, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've won nine of their last 10 games, including two wins over the Bucks and a couple of other dominant road wins against the Atlanta Hawks and the Orlando Magic. They are number one in defense and number one in net rating by a mile over that 10-game stretch. The defense has been super impressive. Isaac Okoro and Max Strews are uh, are competing at the point of attack. Dean Wade has been excellent 
in off-ball situations and especially in switches. Donovan Mitchell has had some of the best closeouts I've ever seen from him in his NBA career. He looks locked in on the defensive end. And then Jared Allen is this super versatile big. Honestly, like they're not the most talented team in the world with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland out of the lineup, but the lineup is much more synergistic now. Like it actually falls in line with my kind of like belief system surrounding the whole like uh you know, like normal basketball lineup type of construction because you have athleticism in the backcourt. You have a perimeter forward. You have an interior forward. Like it just, it's all lined up a lot better now because you have, you just have guys kind of in all of the needed positions to construct a basketball team, especially on the defensive end of the floor. It just looked different when you were constantly running out there with two small guards, right? And I mean, like the Bucks really wanted to win that last game in, in Milwaukee. They really wanted to win that one. And and they just beat the Cavs just went in there and beat them and shut them down on offense. Like four different guys got stops on an island against Damian Lillard. They were constantly building a wall in front of Giannis and making him into a passer. It was a really impressive win. The Cavs are good. Um, I have Carter Rodriguez from the Chase Down Pod coming on the show on Wednesday for a deep dive on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Cavs fans, make sure you're around on Wednesday. That should be fun. All right, number seven, the Milwaukee Bucks. They are four and two since our last rankings. They beat the Cavs once and had a dominant win over a reeling Pelicans team. But I thought the Cavs' losses shined a light on some of their issues. We've talked a lot about their point of attack defense, but I want to focus on two other issues that have been popping up. One, their transition defense. Cleveland exposed their lack of transition defense in their last two losses. They scored 67 points in transition in those two games. Constantly bad floor balance. Constantly bad principles like not getting matched up, not communicating, not sprinting back. And most importantly, they've looked slow. In transition, you can really see their lack of foot speed beyond Giannis in the lineup. It's been a huge problem for them. And then secondly, another Dame stinker in the last loss in Cleveland. He couldn't beat anyone off the dribble unless it was Sam Merrill. He kept having to settle for these tough, contested jump shots. I talk a lot about this like push and pull when it comes to on-ball scoring. Like If you're the defender and I'm the offensive player, and you're terrified of my pull-up jump shot, and you're terrified of my ability to beat you off the dribble, that's the perfect situation. Because then you're going to have to either play up, and I'm going right by you, or you're playing off, and I'm knocking down the jump shot. right? But like, let's say my jumper's not going in. Now, all of a sudden, even if I'm an outstanding driver to the basket, you're going to start giving space and I'm going to be able, I have a hard time like finding those angles. And you're seeing that kind of go both ways for Dame. He's not making these pull up jump shots. So guys are giving him a little bit more space. He's not as quick as he used to be. So as he's starting to make those downhill moves, guys are beating him to spots and you're seeing it manifest in the numbers over the course of this 18 game stretch this uh over the course of Dame's last 18 games excuse me 23.8 points per game on below 40% from the field and 30% from 3 an 18 game stretch and we're we're almost halfway through the, we are over halfway through the season now and to put it simply the the bucks will not win the title unless they get the dame from last year and they need some other stuff to go right as well. But they need Dame to be better than he has been. He has not been very good this year. Number six, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just two and three in their last five games. Just dropped games to Charlotte and San Antonio. Now, some of this, I should say most of this, is just the letdown after getting through the tough part of their schedule, right? Like they get through this insane stretch where they play like 20, like something crazy, like 16, 17 straight games against really good teams. And they did really well in that stretch. And then you kind of like, 
you're like, okay, we're good. We, we feel accomplished. And then you just exhale, right? Like you exhale. But the problem is, is the NBA is so damn talented that they'll make you pay for that. Charlotte has players. Brandon Miller is cooking right now, and he lit them up. LaMelo Ball picked them apart. He had like 13 assists in that game. Victor Wembanyama and Devin Vassell are, are hoopers. Like if you don't bring it against the Spurs, they can beat you. And so like a lot of this is like effort. But the concerning part is their offense. My main concern with the Wolves all season has been their ability to function offensively in a slowdown environment, especially in that like kind of playoff type of environment. And the, the two things that we look at to kind of track that are like half-court offense and clutch offense. That's the closest thing in the NBA regular season to the, uh, to the playoffs. And they've been a mediocre half-court offense this year, and they've been a mediocre uh, clutch offense this year. And especially as of late, they've been really bad in clutch situations on offense. They are one in three in clutch situations just in this five-game stretch. Just a 92.1 offensive rating in those clutch situations. For the season, just a 108.9. That's not good. That's 75 minutes of slowdown end-of-game basketball where they have not been very good offensively. Like I said, Mike Conley is an older skill guard. And he was out for two of those games. They depend on him a lot, but at the same time, he's an older skill guard. Anthony Edwards is a superstar in the making, but he's very, very young, and young players struggle with decision-making. And then Carl Towns is a notorious poor decision-maker in these types of situations. So it really doesn't matter how good their defense is or what the the, uh, other advantages they have. If when they get into the slowdown environment, they can't execute as well as the other great teams around the league. It's been a consistent issue. It has been an issue in this stretch. The defense is real, and it's always going to give them a chance to win games, but they will, fe- they will face much better half-court execution teams than them, and that, could, and that could end up being what gets them beat. Number five, the New York Knicks. Six and one since our last rankings. 12 and two in their last 14 games. Tied with the Clippers for the best record in the league over that span. Seventh in offense, first in defense, and first in rebounding. One ugly loss to the Orlando Magic in there where they kind of lost in a physical game and some ugly moments down the stretch of that game. But back to back dominant wins over the Eastern and Western Conference defending champions uh, in the Miami Heat and the um, Denver Nuggets. OG and Anobi and Dante DiVincenzo are dominating at the point of attack defensively. Jalen Brunson and Julius. Randall are bringing like a physical imposition on offense, although Julius Randall dislocated his shoulder. Hopefully he's okay. But they're wearing teams down. They're a really, really good team. I, I think I think the Knicks are one of those teams where like I don't I don't think they can win the conference necessarily. But the teams that are above them that have flaws to ex, uh, to exploit, like I would not be surprised if New York knocked off a Milwaukee. I would not be surprised if New York knocked off a Philly. They have the talent to do so, and those teams have flaws. It's really just when they get to the top, top tier of the NBA where I think they would run into some issues uh, just in terms of firepower. Number four, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mixed results since our last rankings. They had impressive road wins at Minnesota and at New Orleans, but they got beat by the veteran Laker and Clippers teams. And then they got manhandled by Jalen Duran and the Pistons without Cade Cunningham last night. What a weird game that was. The offense is sputtering. They're 19th in offense over this eight-game span. Basically, everybody that's not Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Jalen Williams is struggling. Chet is slumping. Uh, Josh Giddy is slumping. Lou Dort is slumping. But in spite of all that, they're 5-4 and four versus my top five contenders, and they're the number one seed in the West. So they're holding down the five spot for me, or excuse me, the four spot for me for right now. Number three, the Boston Celtics, dropping down 
from number one. Another disappointing loss in a major in a major game. They got dominated by the Clippers on the tail. The Clippers run a back to back and they get dominated. They have three losses in their last ten games. Here's how they break down. They are seven and zero against teams that are outside of my top five contenders. They are zero and three against teams that are in my top five contenders, including two of those losses at home. And even worse, what has been my main concern for the Celtics team all year? Offensive process. Can they make? Can they consistently hunt and take and make the right shots against the best teams in the league? They had 102 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. They had 100 points against Denver. They had 96 points against the Clippers. So they have only three losses in their last 10 games, all against my top contenders. All of them, the offense sputtered. That's concerning. It's very concerning. Jason Tatum, last five games, eight for 26 on pull-up threes. That's 31%. So we had a brief stretch where they were going in, and it looked great, and everything was great, and now we're back where we've been the previous three years. And again, guys, like 26 of them in five games. This is a third of his shot diet. A third of Jason Tatum's shots are like pull-up threes off the dribble that he makes about a third of the time, if not less. And so, like, it just was, it was really discouraging. And again, like, that's the thing with Celtics fans. I have them all the time in my comments. They'll be like, why didn't you say anything after we beat the shit out of Miami? Or why didn't blah, 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 blah. And like, again, I tell you guys, like, it's in the schedule. I schedule the games I'm going to cover. And I primarily schedule Celtics games when they're playing the best teams. And they keep losing to the best teams. And, and, And when they do, it's the same stuff that gets them beat the other times they lose to the best teams. And so, like, Bizarrely enough, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games in a super, super concerning stretch of Boston Celtic basketball. They seem super, super dependent on Kristaps Porzingis as well. There's, there's just, again, still have him as number two in my contenders list because everyone else has a bunch of issues too. And like I said at the start of this list, today's a very negative version of the power rankings, but I thought it was a concerning couple of weeks for the Boston Celtics. Number two, the Denver Nuggets. Three and two on their five-game road trip. Big wins over Boston and Indy. Tough losses to New York and Philly. Teams with real size and physicality can give Denver some issues, especially when Denver's not locked in. Like Embiid's uh, denial of Jokic really bothered their uh, their offense when they were down in Philly. New York's athleticism and passing lanes caused Jokic to turn the ball over uncharacteristically a lot. Like you could tell, like the big physical teams can give them some issues, but I still think this is the best team in basketball. And I think in the mix of all these teams struggling, I just trust them the most. So I'm keeping them at number two. Number one, the Los Angeles Clippers. They are undefeated since our last list, 13 and two in their last 15 games. Number one offense in the league over that span, number six defense. Doing a ton of damage on the offensive glass too. Their perimeter athleticism is is a factor here. Like uh, they are really athletic on the perimeter between Terrence Mann and Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like they just bring wave after wave of perimeter athleticism in a league that has so much more jump shooting. There's all these long rebounds, and so they can really do a lot of damage on the offensive glass um, uh, just with their perimeter athleticism. But and and again, like they're a bottom ten defensive rebounding team, even over this span. So like it's important for them to try to kind of like make up for some of that on the other end of the floor. It's been interesting, an incredibly impressive ass kicking of the Celtics in Boston. Kawhi and Paul George just thoroughly outplayed Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They are looking flat out scary. And I'm ending the show like this today. I am moving my contenders again. I'm taking Milwaukee off of that three spot, and I'm moving the Clippers up to number three. So I'm going Denver, Boston, Clippers. 
than the Bucks. They just have fewer question marks, in my opinion. And they went from going 0-6 in their first six games after the Harden trade to being number one in our power rankings. Shout out to the LA Clippers. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a breakdown of some games from tonight's slate. we got a bunch of really good games tonight. I look forward to seeing you guys then. I appreciate the support. See you tomorrow. Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.